Well, it's that time of year again. Projects are in full swing, and you know what that means. you got to make that trip up to Jacob's Supply. Whether you're a contractor or builder, or you're checking those things off the to-do list around the house, now is the time to visit Jacob's Supply. Guys, listen to some of the crazy good deals they have going on right now. PVC decking for $2.99 a linear foot in 10 different colors. Composite decking for $2.35 a linear foot in two colors. Treated decking for $0.65 a linear foot. Duralife composite rail kits available in select colors starting at $64.99. And don't forget the vinyl rail kits also available in stock. Need the fasteners? They have those too. Hidden or visible? Clips or screws. Jacob Supply is located in Temperance, Michigan, but ships many products nationally too. So whether you're in-state or out-of-state, they're just a click or call away. Check them out at www.jacobsupply.com or call them at 734-224-0978. That's 734-224-0978 or click the link in the description of this episode. Jacob Supply, your one-stop shop for products you need at prices you love. Hey guys, you got to join us at the Thank God for Bitcoin 2024 conference in Rocket Town, Nashville, July 24th and 25th. Last year was phenomenal and this year is going to be even better. G.K. Chesterton once said, I never discuss anything else except politics and religion. There is nothing else to discuss. Given how secular our current world is, this might sound strange. We can think of many things that don't initially seem political, but whether we recognize it or not, religion and politics define the playing surface and rules that govern our lives and actions. And money is one of the most powerful tools in enacting the wills of both government and God. Although we all use it, few Christians have a rich, biblically grounded, historically informed framework through which to understand what money is, and consequently the effect it necessarily has on how we think about economic issues. Well, that won't fly at this conference. We're talking stewardship, dominion, and the economics of glory with some of the biggest names around. Speakers include Michael Foster, C.R. Wiley, Dr. Ben Merkel, Dr. Glenn Sunshine, Nate Fisher, Jordan Bush, and many, many more. You won't want to miss this lineup. This is one of the most intellectually powerful theologically sound, and all-around good time conferences you can go to this summer. So go to www.tgfb.com, that's Thank God for Bitcoin, www.tgfb.com, and get your tickets today, or click on the link in the description of this episode. See you there, guys. Christians, are you tired of just talking about starting a parallel economy and not doing anything about it? The Workspace Conference is the catalyst you've been waiting for. Join us this June 28th and 29th at the Hilton in downtown Fort Worth, Texas. Engage with leading Christian thinkers like David Bonson, C.R. Wiley, Steve Jeffrey, David Reese, and Andrew Krapyshevs. They'll share invaluable insights on how to actively integrate your faith with your professional life in ways that really matter. These leaders are not just thinkers, but doers, shaping a Christian approach to business that makes a real impact. This event is more than speeches. It's a vibrant networking hub for Christian professionals and entrepreneurs eager to create substantial change. It's an opportunity to forge meaningful connections, explore new business opportunities, and collaborate in a faith-driven environment. Don't miss the highlight of our networking opportunities, the exclusive speakers dinner. This is a premier event where you can dine with our speakers and other influential guests, deepening relationships and discussing ideas in an intimate setting. We are also actively seeking partners who are passionate about building a Christian economy. If you're interested in collaborating or sponsoring, we'd love to hear from you. And make sure you join us for Beer and Psalms for some relaxed fellowship and let's turn our faith into action together. So reserve your spot now at www.worksbase.com That's worksbase.com or click the link in the description of this episode and be part of building a dynamic Christian professional community. Let's move beyond talk, fellas, and start creating the change we want to see. Exploring theology, doctrine, and all of the fascinating subjects in between? 
Broadcasting from an undisclosed location, Dead Men Walking starts now. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Dead Men Walking Podcasts. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting the show. You can check us out at dmwpodcast.com where you can learn a little bit more about the show, about us, past guests. We have got a catalog of over 200 episodes now. And you can visit our merch site where you can get some uh, snarky t-shirts. Um, we're doing very well on the uh, DeSantis Askel uh, 24 in the Reagan Bush 24 logo. Uh, that started off as a joke, but um, a lot of people in Florida buying those. Or you can go get one of these mugs, you know, wine them, dine them, Romans dine them. It's a nice little conversation starter. I'm drinking my uh, orange, what is this, orange spice tea. I uh, just got some of that from the kids for Christmas and... Boy, addicted to that. Probably my favorite non-caffeinated drink. Oh, who am I kidding? It's bourbon. Bourbon is my favorite non-caffeinated drink. But you want to know what? Uh, for for uh, at the time I'm recording this right now, this is my favorite non-caffeinated drink. Um, and it's good. So, yeah, check that out. Um, we've had a lot of stuff going on, guys, in uh, December and January. So if you kind of took a break from us over the holidays, over Christmas, I know you're spending it on the Lord's Day. You're spending it with your family. Um, go back and check it out. Um, you know, uh, we had Doug Wilson on. We had James White on. We had uh, uh, Davis Younts, which was phenomenal. Uh, he's an attorney that works on uh, defending religious liberty and things like that. Just packed full of some really good guests. And if I forgot anyone in that December there, uh, please forgive me. I'm not saying you're not important. I'm just saying those are the ones that came to the top of my head. I'm 41, and uh, it's very hard to remember uh, things past, uh, 24 hours. So, um, go check those out, but enough of me rambling. Uh, we're going to keep moving this along because this was an interesting one because this is a subject I really like. There's a, there's a young man, uh, reached out to me after I had seen some stuff online. His name's Blake long. Um, and he says, is a master of the, I'm going to read it here. So I don't get it wrong, Blake. Okay. Uh, what you hear on the other end, that's Blake. We're going to properly introduce you, though. Uh, Blake Long is a Master of Theological Studies graduate from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. That's a mouthful. He's married to Shale, and they have two girls, Jovi and Piper. They're members of Sovereign Grace Bible Church in, is it Ada or? Yeah, it's Ada. We'll, we'll go yep. Ada. And OK is Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, Blake currently blogs at theologyandlife.com. Obviously, we'll link that up for you guys when the podcast comes out, when you're listening to it right now. And he's the author. This is what we're going to be talking about today. <clears throat> author of Taking No for an Answer. It's all about prayer. It's Blake Long. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Blake is my new friend. I've known him now for three and a half minutes before the podcast, but we're just going to get right into it, brother. How about that? Sounds good. Cool. So for everyone and for me, uh, since I've only known you for a short time, give us a little expanded bio. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you come from, maybe even a little bit of your testimony if you want, and yeah. uh, why you wrote why you wrote the book about this type of subject. Yeah. So, uh, well, I was, again, my name is Blake Long. Um, I, I am only 28 years old, so I'm no, no expert on any of this stuff. It's just something... That was near and dear to my heart, but I was born and raised in Ada, Oklahoma. It's a, it's a small town of about 18,000 people. It's a college town. So, you know, nine months throughout the year, it's about 22,000 people. Um, <clears throat> like you said, I, I've been married to Shell for five years. We've been together for 10. So it took me five years to pull the trigger. Um, <laughs> two, two little kiddos, one's a three-year-old, the other's a year and a half, and they give us a run for our money. But, you know, children are a blessing, and we... Sure. Uh, we couldn't adore them more. 
Um, yeah, we go to Church Sovereign Grace Bible Church here in Ada. That's a we're Southern Baptist, but you know, by the name, we're distinctly Reformed, and we're not ashamed of, ashamed of it. Sure. Um, been there for six years, so we're, we're steady members there. Um, she's a special ed teacher. I work for a local uh, nonprofit organization. Um, man, that's you know that that's really trying to think if there's anything more interesting about my life at the moment. No, I just bought a car, great. as you know, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> about an hour and a half ago. But well, that, let me just really let me just tell you, I knew we were going to get along because uh, you called me or you you messaged me. You said, "Hey, can we push back the time for this?" And I said, "Yeah, that's fine. Stuff happens. I you know I work in real estate with clients. Stuff comes up. So then when we when we got together here right before that we started recording, I said, "So what were you doing?" He goes, oh, "I was buying a car." And I'm like, "Oh, that sounds just like me." I'll look yeah. up and be like, I think I want to buy a car today. What I got two and a half hours. We can squeeze that in. Exactly. And yep. it always goes longer than what you think it's going to go. So yep. <laughs> congratulations um, on the car. So we're yeah. talking about the book, the uh, prayer. Uh, this is a big subject. This is a big, heavy, weighty subject. And a lot of people don't, and a lot of Christians don't want to touch it because, you know, we have a whole culture uh, in evangelicalism. Okay. And I'm Reformed Presbyterian, as I, and I'll steal this from Doug Wilson. When you say Presbyterian, I have to say, no, not Lesbyterian, Presbyterian, not those guys. Okay. Oh uh, <laughs> sorry if I'm making you blush, but uh, Reformed Presbyterian. So, when we look at the uh, evangelical kind of whole, there's a lot of stuff about prayers that are skewed just theologically, too. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, just whatever you ask, the Lord's going to give you. Uh, and then yeah. when God doesn't answer prayers, you have a whole word of faith movement that, that says, well, you didn't have enough faith. That's why you did, he didn't answer your prayer. You have the whole Bethel movement that says everyone should be healed. God should answer every prayer about healing and, and uh, physical and, and spiritual and mental healing. So we got all these different ideas about what prayer is. Here you are, a young man with a young family, 28 years old, and you go, I'm going to write a book about prayer. Um, so what, what made you uh, write it about that subject? Well, it started out a couple of years back. Well, gosh, I guess that was more than a couple. But um, I wrote a blog post um, distinctively about how we respond when God says no. Um, so really exactly what the book is about. And it was about uh, the, the story I put in the introduction, the first the first one about um, our my wife's first pregnancy um, ended up as a blighted ovum. Um, and you know, to us, I had absolutely no clue what that meant. Um, I was prepared for a miscarriage. Um, that's still a form of miscarriage, technically speaking. Mm -hmm. Uh, but for those who don't know, it's simply when a, everything forms, but a baby is had never developed. So there never was a child that, so that we didn't have to mourn a child passing away. We did mourn thinking we had a child in that respect. So sure. it was one of those things where, you know, we, we, we pulled into the medical center parking lot that morning. Um, you know, we got a parking spot and we prayed, you know, let this baby be healthy, all of this stuff. But, you know, at the end of it, we were like, even even if something is wrong, because we're not naive, we know things can happen definitely with first pregnancies. Even if something is wrong, you know, guide us through all that stuff. Um, and looking back, you know, I said, God told us no. Now, thankfully, we have two children, so he didn't say no outright. You know, he yeah. just said not yet. But in the moment, it was a no, and it was a hard no, um, and it's just something to get through. And it just made me think about how we how we think about unanswered prayer. You know, we talk about unanswered prayer, and it's really not unanswered. All prayer is answered. It just depends on 
if we like the answer or not. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's so true. Uh, and a lot of us get into the <clears throat> mindset of what we want is the right answer. Right. right. Um, exactly. and I, and I think you approach us in the book a little bit, but talk a mm-hmm. little bit about kind of the, the different ways that we view prayer in as much as we, we view it as a, you know, a personal wish list to God. Sometimes, mm-hmm. um, yep. we view it as something that we have to do legalistically or ritually to appease God. I mean, there's all these different thoughts about it. So you're coming from a place a few years ago of having this experience. Was there something personal when you were in your prayer life or when you were in the word that you said, I want to expand on this and, and kind of explore this idea. Did you see something personally in your life that was either correct or incorrect or what was the real, you know, besides that experience, what made you go people need to really you know kind of explore this and chew on this it's it's kind of i can give you a great example not for us but we we had somebody in town um she was 38 39 weeks pregnant and she was going to an ob appointment uh and somebody on the highway crossed over the middle lane head-on collision she passed away a day later, uh, but they were able to save the child. But it's, it's stuff like that where you look back and there will be a branch of evangelicalism that will say God wasn't in that. Yeah. Um, and that's just so, it's not just discouraging, but it's dangerous. And so I, I look at that and, you know, I talk a little bit about that and the sovereignty of God and the providence of God in the book. And I try to do it in an encouraging way. And then you also bring up, you know, kind of what you talked about, which I don't really touch in the book, you know, now that I think of it, but the word of faith stuff, yeah. you know, the Kenneth Copelands and the Benny Hens and all this stuff and treating prayer with God as a transaction rather than just a conversation. You know, we, we hear from God and his word and we, we respond back via prayer, but it's, it's, it's so much less about what we can get from God rather than we have God. Let's be content with whatever he throws our way, whether it's dying in a car crash, unfortunately, or, you know, having a blighted ovum or as, you know, um, I can't think of the word Yeah, as non-important as like a job promotion or something like that. Right. Well, you know, and tell me what you think about this. I, and I've, and I've been saying this for years and years. I think, uh, everyone, every, just about every Christian I know gives lip service to mm-hmm. the sovereignty of God. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very few of them truly believe in the sovereignty of God until there's an issue, until there's yep. a problem, until they go through something, some type of valley. Right. The really? old joke that everyone's a Calvinist as soon as someone dies. Right. Well, it was God's plan. It was God's will. It yep. was right. This is what we take solace in. And Charles Spurgeon famously, famously said, you know, the sovereignty of God is the soft pillow upon which mm-hmm. I lay my head in times of trouble. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if if Christians uh, and when I say Christians, it's a very broad term. Believe me, we sure. talked at length on this podcast about what the word evangelical or Christian even means anymore, um, because some, you know, 62% of people who self-identify as Christians don't believe that Christ had yeah. deity. So that that's right. crazy right there, right? So yep. when I'm talking, talking broadly about the Western church, we we have some real issues with, with the sovereignty of God in day-to-day life or in smaller things that we don't necessarily agree with. Well, why wouldn't God give me that job promotion? I was going to glorify him in that. That helps me provide yep. for my family. Why wouldn't uh, he heal me quicker from this affirmity that would allow me to do these things, right? And we we 
we sometimes then, because we're not rightly aligned with what the sovereignty of God is, then sometimes we even blame prayer for that, or we just don't pray at all. Yeah. I, I've, I've seen it both ways. And I've even seen it in the Reformed community, too, to where they start moving towards almost a nihilist, right? right. Like, well, whatever God's going to do whatever he needs to do anyway, so... Yep. You know, why even pray? It's going to happen. It is, you know, what will be will be. So what's the, from your perspective, someone who wrote a book on prayer, what is, what is the importance of prayer then? If God's sovereign overall, and it's already going to happen, and we know that he holds everything in the palm of his hand, what, for, for you, what's the biblical reasons why someone should pray if you're speaking to another yeah. young person? Well, it, there's really two huge reasons. Number one is you're communing with the sovereign Lord of the universe, who uh, by his sheer mercy and grace um, is also your heavenly father. Um, so it's just communing with the Lord and, and experiencing that. But it's also, and this is the major theme I try to get to at the end of the book is our sanctification. Yeah. Definitely through unanswered prayer. Um, prayer is not just something, you know, we, we talk to the God about and it's transactional and, you know, we, we only come to him when times are hard. We don't talk to him when times are easy and stuff like that, which is so easy to do even as Christians. Yeah. What we have to understand is unanswered prayer specifically um, is one of the biggest avenues of our sanctification. How hard it may be, I don't really know for the specific person, but um, that's one of the biggest ways he molds us more into the image of his son is by prayer. Yeah. No, that's absolutely right. And then two then, so you're talking about unanswered prayers. What, what do you do with someone who comes to you and says, well, what about John 15, 7? If you remain in me and my words, remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. Because I get this a lot. First of all, I think that verse is taken out of context many times. Mm -hmm. And anytime yeah. we have some type of skewed idea of who God is, it is, is because the hermeneutic is bad, right? And, and that person is taking it out of context. But we have a whole uh, population of Christians that think, that if they just earnestly ask for it in prayer, God should grant it. Where yep. should we, where should we, I have some ideas where we would take them, but I would think like, where do you think we should take them in scripture? What should that response be? Cause I see that coming up in a lot of the younger generation too. That's being affected by the Bethels and the word of faith and things like that. Mm -hmm. Well, to be honest with you, I can't think of a verse off the top of my head, but I just, I just go back to the fact that number one, you talked about the context Sure. And the context is always as our relationship um, as a son to our heavenly father. So that's the context. And then secondly is he's not, he, he's never talking about what we just want. He's talking about our needs. Yeah. Um, I think the same one is with Psalm 37, four, which I talk about in the book when Oprah just obliterates the the, the point of that passage. Um, Re remind us about that. What, what did she, what, what did she so, misconstrue? Because so, she's been misconstruing Christianity her whole life. She has. <laughs> so she was on the, the late show with Stephen Colbert a long time ago, and they yeah. talked about their favorite verses. And she brought up Psalm 37, 4, which is basically saying that God will grant the desires of our hearts or something mm -hmm. along those lines. Mm -hmm. And so she, you know, construed it around to say, basically, if I am actively pursuing goodness pursuing joy, pursuing patience and peace, then all of those things and all those desires of my own heart will come to me. Right. She leaves God ultimately out of the equation. Yeah. Um, and, and totally okay. misses the point that it's not, it's not that at all. It's is if you pursue the Lord, he will give you, but basically your desires um, will align with his and he'll give you those, 
those desires. Right. Yeah. Cause it's very interesting too, that when, when people uh, come to me and they say, well, I asked for this thing and I didn't get it and, and God mm-hmm. isn't listening to me. And I just say, well, how did Jesus teach us to pray? Right. It's yeah. right in the second line. Our right. father who art in heaven, holy, mm-hmm. hallowed be thy name. Your yep. will be done. Yep. So the very first thing we, we are taught to pray is not our will, but his will. And just like you said, once the sanctification pro- process, hopefully, as you know, it's a lifelong process. We never mm-hmm. we never arrive yep. until we're in glory, uh, so to speak. Hopefully, our will aligns with his will. So right. it's kind of this weird thing I've always said with Christianity, too, and, and, and with Christ, is we always want to think we have all these free will choices. And it's like, well, even if you're not Calvinistic in your yeah. theology, it's maybe you're Arminian, it's still, yeah. guess what? He's still getting it in the end because he goes, it's not your will, it's my will, because you're a slave to me now. You're a slave to Christ, and now I've put a new will in you. So when you when you want something or need something or ask for something, you should be doing it because it's what I want or need for you. So it's right. this it's this very peculiar thing where we still think and look at we're not going to negate the very many verses that says God will give you the desires of your heart and I think there's a dichotomy yeah. there that we can talk about sure. right that he is a good father uh that he does see desires in our hearts that he will give us things for for our uh, own pleasure and because he loves mm-hmm. us but let's not get too far on the side of that right. and go, we get to go to the sugar daddy in the sky and ask him for anything he wants uh <laughs> but 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 the but the point I was trying to make was it's ultimately his will and and that mm-hmm. is such a uh, s- such a more peaceful prayer for me when I come to the Lord in prayer and say Lord uh, your will be done over this situation if it's taken from me given to me if it's changed whatever it is even if it's a situation or you know whatever whatever situation it is. Mm-hmm. Um, your will be done in that situation and knowing and resting like we were talking about earlier in the sovereignty of God, truly understanding yep. how a sovereignty and providence <clears throat> work together for his glory. You can rest in that. I mean, yep. you, you I mean, probably had to rest in that in your situation with, yep. with the first pregnancy, correct? Yes, for sure. Yeah. It was, yep. Is when you're, it's when your theology becomes uh, practical. And then you really decide whether or not you believe that or not. And that's yeah. kind of, and, I've, and I've, I devote a section of the whole, uh, whole thing of that in the book. I think it's the one over thankfulness, but that's kind of what it comes down to, whether it's with contentment, repentance, trust, whatever it is. If we're believing firmly in the sovereignty and providence of God, then unanswered prayer, though it's still, that doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. It just means it's going to be bearable. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's always kind of perplexed me like, how can you get through this Christian life without truly understanding and believing that God is sovereign overall? Sometimes I look to my brothers and sisters that don't have that theology or that have this kind of skewed image of God that they're kind of, I don't know, they're 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 kind of driving the train, right? There was this mm-hmm. popular bumper sticker even before I was born. So it's old, man. It's like 70s and 80s became very popular. And it said, God is my co-pilot. And oh, everyone yeah. had a oh, man yeah. growing up. I remember being a little kid driving around going, what? And you go, wait a minute. Just Where think just, from? just think of that theology. Just in that little uh-huh. bumper stick bumper sticker saying, God is my co-pilot. I'm the one in charge. He's right. this chair to help out in case, you know, there's an emergency. I forget to flip a switch or we're heading into a, you know, cliff. And right. it's like, oh my gosh, we have a whole generation of now adults 
that grew up with that. Now, heck, now grand, uh, grandparents that absolutely think God is their co-pilot in life, when in fact, not only is he the pilot, but he's the author and finisher of our faith and everything mm. in between, right? So I've always said, boy, isn't that a sad place to be when you have to run to a God and pray to a God to where you're not entirely sure of his true sovereign sovereignty overall? That's just a horrible place yeah. to be in times of trouble, I would say. I will say, maybe just to give people the benefit of the doubt, I feel like I, – I don't know if you watch football at all or at least saw the news because I know it was everywhere. But the the guy with the, the NFL the NFL player, DeMar Hamlin, sure. had a cardiac arrest on the field. Yeah, I was watching that live. I mean, that was scary. Everybody in the whole universe became a Christian for the, the next week because yeah. nobody had a problem with praying. And so though there are – you know, we have the God's my co-pilot. We have all of this stuff. I'm just like, yeah, that's awful. That's awful theology, but I do think that when times like that happen, um, I think people instinctively believe in the sovereignty of God. I think people instinctively kind of become quasi-Calvinists for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I was saying earlier. It's it's in times yeah. of trouble where we go, well, yeah. he has a plan. He's sovereign over. That's good, and, I, and I'm glad we can realize that, but what I would like to, say, like to see, and I think mm-hmm. – uh, you know, even when you have a book about prayer like you do, to where those things that that aren't affecting us on such an emotional or physical level so deeply that right. we understand that God is sovereign over those as well. I, yep. I have seen people just lose themselves over not getting a promotion or a job that they wanted yep. or not being able to go on a trip that they had planned. And it's like they are so upset and so fraught and you go, well, God is uh, sovereign over your three-day cruise, just like he's sovereign over the death of your grandmother. And I know that seems yeah. weird to say, right? It's it's not because it's <laughs> practical. Because like just last year, we we my wife and I booked a cruise just for us for our anniversary. <laughs> there you go. Um, it's like three or four-day cruise, and we planned and everything, and then realized that uh, we at my work, we had an event happening. Uh, so we were like, well, I really need to be there for that. Or wasn't even the same day I would have gotten back the night before, which that would have been rehearsal. Yeah. So I'm like going, ah, I don't really need to be on a cruise right now. So we canceled it. We still had a good, good anniversary uh, date, but, but then at the end, the thing went virtual anyways. <laughs> and so, so my wife was like, you're going to get me a cruise. <laughs> well, hey. It's just stuff like that. Like I, yeah. neither of us really sweated it at all. Yeah. It wasn't a big deal. But it's just stuff like that where there's legitimately people that would. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Covenant Real Estate. And why not? It's my podcast and my real estate company. But seriously, I've absolutely enjoyed helping clients buy, sell, and invest in real estate over the last 12 years. My brokerage serves clients in Michigan and Ohio with more states coming soon. When I started this brokerage, I wanted to ensure that my expertise and knowledge would serve every one of my clients. I take my fiduciary responsibility to my clients very seriously. That's why I named it Covenant Real Estate. Not only is a covenant a contract in the legal sense, but it's also a solemn promise from myself to each of my clients. I will do my absolute best to serve you. It's also pretty cool that our name has some theological implications as well, which is a great conversation starter. And here's the best part. My agents and I have extensive experience in helping people buy and sell residential homes, buy and sell commercial properties, as well as investing in real estate and selling and purchasing recreational and vacant land. Covenant Real Estate can help you with all of your real estate needs, and I would love the opportunity to earn your business. So if you have real estate needs in Michigan or Ohio, 
Call me at 734-731-GREG. That's 734-731-GREG. Or click on the link in the description of this podcast episode you're listening to right now. Remember, Covenant Real Estate. Confidence from contract to close. Yeah. And look, we're not, I'm not making this an entire episode just to kind of uh, dog and rag on other believers that don't believe exactly the same way I do or we do. I'm just saying I I do it out of a place of, I I want you to understand and experience the fullness uh, of the peace that surpasses all understanding. I truly, I truly believe that's what that verse is talking about when, when uh, you almost become, you know, to your non-believing friends and you go, Oh no, it's, it's good. You know, I I have Christ. It's going to be okay. And they're like, what? Mm -hmm. Things are falling down around you. And you're like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not oblivious to the fact that there's things and and look at it might hurt emotionally or physically or whatever I'm going through, but ultimately I have Christ and I've had those moments in my life um, and pretty big ones too. But um, let's shift gears here a little bit because we have, uh, we have people um, that are your age, uh, younger, older that listen to the podcast. And I would say for someone like you starting out, you got a new family. You started uh, with kids right around the same age I did. Mine are a little bit older than yours now. But um, I remember that time was just so hectic for me, especially when mm-hmm. they when they learn to walk and they can get into everything. They're one, oh, two, yeah. three, four years old. You're chasing them around, right? They're wanting, uh, you know, uh, floor time and all that. How do you at 28 also go, oh, I'm also going to write a book that we should mention will be out, uh, I think, very soon. When you guys start, we're pre-recording this, but when it drops, I think we'll be five or six days away from the release date, which Mm -hmm. is February 1st, correct? Yes, that's correct. So you're hearing it here first on Dead Men Walking podcast for this book. How do you find time? Was it difficult to sit down and actually write a book? And what was the, how long was the process? Six months, a year, five years? What? Tell us a little bit about the logistics of that. I feel it's a good, it's a good question. It's not something I think about while I do it. Um, It probably uh, from, from being into my head until the manuscript being officially done, it was probably a year and a half. Mm. Um, Now that I get it done, um, she can probably hear me in her, in our room, but my wife was very (laughs) sacrificial. Um, I I know with the the first book I wrote gospel smugness, you can get on Amazon. Okay. Um, (laughs) What is I'm sorry. What is it called? Gospel gospel smugness Smugness. it's it's about how we uh, display christ-like character in evangelism okay but i struggled immensely with making sure that um i didn't take time away from the more important things in life like my wife and my family writing that so with this one i try to make sure i still failed in areas but i try to make sure um if I was writing, I was by myself at home or at lunch or whatever, sure. or uh, most of the time I would be writing after everybody else was in bed. And so a lot of it was staying up until 11 o'clock or 1030, even though that's not that late to some people. It's late to me who gets up at <laughs> 530 every day. St- that's when my brain starts working. Yeah. So no, I, I, you know, it's late for me. <laughs> right. um, it's just finding the time to do it. And there are definitely moments of frustration. I probably took two or three months off um, just because there's frustration. And then you have to work through book proposals. Obviously, none of those worked out. But so, yeah, it just it above all else, if you're passionate about what you're writing, you just got to be committed to finding time to write. 
Sure. So do you, so this is your second book then. We probably yes. should have said that at the top of the show. I didn't uh, ask that. I was assuming this was your first, but oh, this, oh good. <laughs> this is your second book. Okay. So you said you work for a nonprofit. Uh, is this something, is writing something you see hopefully doing full time or is this just a hobby? It's a hobby. I, yeah. I can't imagine ever, you know, having enough sales with my <laughs> book writing at least to, for it to be full time. I'd, I'd love to, write for my on my blog full time and that right. be my only job but that's i got i got three people who support me on patreon that's it so we're, <laughs> we're gonna have to get way well, up there before that happens but i would to, i would totally do that that would be uh talk about desire desires of our own hearts i would love to be able to just write full time well put your patreon limit at a hundred thousand dollars you know right. that's and then you just need like three <laughs> or four people there you, you go. Know, you know, yep. it's, it's an, it's a, you don't need a lot of people, just, you know, nope. <laughs> just a few that'll exactly. really support you. No, I, I get it. Um, but you know, I would say, I would just encourage you because like I said, I, I got about halfway through it, about 40% of the way through it. And I'm gonna pick up the rest of it, uh, today and tomorrow. Um, but it was, it was very encouraging. I think it was very well put together. Um, and look at, I'm no, you know, I'm no expert. We just had, mm -hmm. uh, Phil Johnson on from, uh, you know, John yeah. MacArthur's Phil Johnson, yeah. uh, just two days ago. That should be, if they're listening to this, I think they've, they've already heard that. Uh, and he's, I mean, he's edited hundreds of books, so I'm no, right. no Phil Johnson, right. About editing, but yeah. I've read a lot of books. There's some books I get a chapter or two in and I go, I can't take any more of this. I'm going to pull my hair out. Yeah, uh, it right. wasn't one of those. So uh, as, a, as a young man writing books, I would encourage you if it's something that glorifies God and uh, you seem to be pretty good at it. Keep, keep doing it, man. Um, money. Sure. Uh, who, like you said, if it's a passion too, who cares if you're getting paid for it? Um, yeah. I, I've been doing this for two and a half years, never wanted uh, any money for it. And now I can't, people are coming out of the woodwork going, Hey, you got the numbers. We want to pay for subscription, you know, subscriptions and this and that. And I went, yeah, I never yeah. look at that. Wasn't the goal. Right. If, if the Lord, <laughs> you know, it isn't, I, I love talking to interesting people about God and normally they're much smarter than me. So it, it's, uh, it's awesome. <laughs> you know, when you're sitting across from a Doug Wilson or a James White or a right. Jeff Durbin or, you know, any of these Phil Johnson, any of these guys, uh, you let them talk, uh, yeah. <laughs> cause you can learn a few things. So be encouraged. I would say, keep writing. Um, so give us a little more as we wrap this up, give us a little more information about when it's coming out, where people can get it. Um, I'll make sure I link everything up to it, but, uh, if they, if they want to read this book. Yeah. So the book, um, it's, it's called taking no for an answer, how to respond when God says no to our prayers. It comes out on February 1st. Um, and it's really, it's a, you know, full disclosure is it's self-published publishing it for my own blog, mm. theology and life, um, comes out on February 1st. Um, <clears throat> it's going to be, I think 1495. Okay. So it's not, not that expensive. Um, I think I, I know you, if, if people want to, they can purchase it directly through me. Okay. Um, it takes a little longer to get to you, but you can still do it probably for a discount. Um, Eventually, it'll probably go to Barnes and Nobles because I think the Amazon distribution thing does that as well. Sure, those are the only places you'll be able to get it. Um, but yeah, cool. Well, I'll make sure when uh, we get offline here, we'll we'll make sure we get all the correct links and everything uh, for you, and we'll link it up so people can take a look at it. I know mm -hmm. it's going to be coming out a few days before it uh, launches. So, if you had the final word today, what if you have someone listening right now that says, "What do I need to know about prayer?" and and, uh, what, you know, maybe something you covered in the book, what's a few sentences you'd give someone to sum up kind of the most important things about prayer 
or what it's for, why we need it, yeah. or how we should rightly view it? I think the most important thing I want people to come away with in this book, for example, is kind of like what I said earlier, is it's, it's part of our sanctification. Um, whether really whether he answers our prayers or whether he doesn't answer our prayer, um, it's still to make us more like his son. And that's the end goal at the end of the day is we want to be more like Jesus. So whether, you know, he didn't answer your prayer and that means you got some repenting to do, or you need to learn how to be more content or, yeah, you know, you, you need to trust him more, whatever the situation is, um, we need to make sure that we're trying to be in his will, not our own will, because it's very easy uh, to be in our own way uh, and, and not even realize it. So we need to be very cognizant of if for deceiving ourselves in that fact, because it's very easy to do so. Mm. Um, just remaining in the, in the will of God and understanding that this is all part of our sanctification. I love it. Part of our sanctification. Amen. Truer words couldn't be spoken. Blake, thank you so much for stopping by, sitting down, talking to us on the Dead Men Walking podcast. Um, yeah, anytime you come on, anytime you got something new coming out, or uh, if you're working on a new book or you want to work through something, you're always welcome back. But thanks for coming by. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of Dead Men Walking Podcast. As I said, links will be up to this if you want to take a look at Blake's book, support him and purchase that book. We appreciate you guys listening and make sure you stop by dmwpodcast.com. Check us out a little bit more about us. And if you want to support the show, you can click through to the merch site and uh, look at some of that stuff. As always, guys, we appreciate you. We love you. God bless. Be sure to check us out at dmwpodcast.com where you can purchase the best and snarkiest merch on the internet, support the show, and leave us a review or message. Dead Men Walking can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Dead Men Walking Podcast and on Twitter X at Real DMW Podcast. The Dead Men Walking Podcast is part of the Fight Laugh Feast Network. For exclusive show content, be sure to download the Pub TV app and become a member. If you're a business that needs to reach hundreds of thousands of potential customers in your demographic, podcast advertising might be for you. Send all inquiries to Dead Men Walking Podcast at gmail.com. None your biscuits.